Hello, hello. And here you are again with your boy, Toasty. Mortal Kombat Annihilation fans have something to be excited about today. We've had Brian Thompson, Larry Kasanov, Margin Holden, and Keith Cook on the show who were all involved with that cult classic film. However, today, Kamidogo has the opportunity to interview Darren McBee. Darren betrayed the horrifying centaur, Motaro. One of Emperor Shao Kahn's most loyal and skilled warriors, he is not someone to be trifled with. Darren has proven to be successful in the movie industry. You have more than likely seen him in a number of action films within the 90s and early 2000s. He continues to keep busy to this day in a number of projects in his life, uh, and we can't wait to talk about some of the things he has to offer. Kamidogu is always working hard to keep delivering great content. However, sometimes there can be scheduling issues, and so this is why Chris could not attend today. Chris does a lovely job with things on his side, and we continue to work closely on each and every episode that's filmed conclusively. Everyone who's listening right now, we appreciate you greatly. If you happen to be new by chance, please do us a big favor and click follow or subscribe wherever you watch or listen to the podcast. It really helps us out tons, and if you could continue spreading the word to your friends, we would be grateful. With that said and out of the way, let's get this episode in motion and start talking with Darren. Alright everyone, and here we are, joined with Darren McBee. Motaro has always been a standout character in the franchise. Not only does he stand on all fours, but he's very well known yep. to be one of the most feared combatants. In Mortal Kombat 3... He is often proclaimed as one of the biggest challenges of the entire franchise. To see him on screen was something very special to the fans. Darren, you did a fantastic job, uh, and it's nothing short of a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for joining. Oh, thank you so much, man. I, uh, I'm honored, man. I mean, to be on your show with that wickedly cool shirt you're wearing, man, it's, uh, it's great to be here, man. So thank you so much for having me aboard. Absolutely, my friend. Um, so as per usual, Darren, we like to start off talking about the auditioning process for MK Annihilation. Was this right. a more uh, difficult ordeal for you as we've commonly heard about uh, multiple callbacks? Yeah, you know, it's true. I, I mean, I'm sure what the others told you is true. For me, it took five callbacks for me to get the job. Uh, two acting callbacks and two uh, martial arts physicality type callbacks. And then one, um, just overall, just see what the character looks like, you know, show us something nobody else has done kind of deal. And uh, so it was five at all. And uh, when I got the job, man, I was cutting cartwheels. Uh, I was at my dad's house in San Diego, man. It was awesome. And I heard the good news. Really cool. Oh, man. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Uh, did you have any martial arts experience at the time? Uh, I think you maybe trained with Billy Blanks. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually uh, worked uh, with Billy for a couple of years at his gym, but I was actually a weight trainer over there. Um, watched him do that spectacular Taibo stuff. He's an amazing guy. What a gentleman. A, just the sweetest guy in the world. Um, great family guy. Just a really neat guy all the way around. Uh, but I, my, my background is kind of varied. I dabbled in boxing and um, the typical um, little Thai boxing kind of stuff and uh, Kung Fu, Wushu Kung Fu. But mostly it was just all for camera stuff. It was just all to look good on camera, to be flashy. But in real life, man, I couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper bag. So one of those things. <laughs> oh, I love the honesty, Darren. Got, gotta respect that. 
now, is it true that you is it true that you originally auditioned for the role of Shao Kahn before Brian ended up doing it? Interesting. They actually had me to come on from Otaro, and I guess they liked what I did so much that they asked me to do Shao Kahn, but they didn't give me really any time to work with the characters, so, uh, you know, I crashed and burned really bad. But, you know, when I saw Brian step in, who's a friend of mine from Conan, I go, wow, much, much, much better choice, man. He just totally killed it, and uh, amazing, amazing guy. So I was actually honored and flattered that they even asked me to audition, you know what I mean? So it, it, as far as the Shao Kahn part. But, yeah, I was... Uh, it was amazing, man, working with Brian and and uh, just again getting the part was a, a dream come true, man. Yeah. Uh, did you do any research for Mataro in any capacity? Uh, what do you remember doing in order to get a better understanding of the character in the MK universe? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, first of all, I I did some talking to people that were avid Mortal Kombat fans, and I kept getting back from them like this guy is a total bad to the bone character. He's super tough to beat. So I watched him play a couple times. I got, oh, this guy's pretty cool. Got some good moves. Um, and I just thought to myself, if he's a half man and half beast, um, I want to be, I, I kind of portrayed myself like a lion in a cage where I felt all pent up, there's uh, pent up rage. And if you notice in a movie, I'm kind of stalking, stalking back and forth a little bit. So I kind of threw that into my mentality. And yep. that's how I created the character. Almost interesting. I'm going to assume you watched the first movie yeah. uh, before filming began. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I was a huge fan. I mean, to me, to, to book a job uh, in a movie that I was a huge fan of, like I said, it just blew me away. It was so <laughs> cool. So it was great to work with the, some of the original cast, too. Just super people. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any memories with, like, Rob and Shu? You know, I didn't really work with Robin other than the times I watched him. He's a consummate professional. I mean, the guy is super focused and uh, he loves what he does. And he's obviously a brilliant martial artist. Um, so to watch him was inspiring for me. What little time I did get to see with him. But uh, I had the most fun with uh, Jax, who is, of course, Red Williams. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys talked to him or not, but Red is uh, also one of the American Gladiators. Uh, so he was alumni yes. of mine on the American Gladiators. So. We had a blast together. <laughs> uh, I understand you were in London, England for a long time, getting the body cast and such. What was your overall experience like here? Can you remember the total duration uh, and the, the set of things you had to go through in order to perfect the final prosthetics and so forth? Yeah, that was, yeah. Thank you for asking that question. It was, it was interesting. Um, the process just really didn't take much more than five or six hours, but it's a strange thing when you're, and you're laying back and they're encasing you in plaster of Paris from the neck down. Um, you can't go anywhere. You can't move. And I've done head prosthetics before several times, but this was an experience for me. You know, they get you pretty much almost butt naked in there. And, and then they just, like I said, <laughs> stay there for about an hour, hour and a half till it all sets. And, uh, and then they let you go. But, you know, it's amazing. If you guys have pictures of my character, was which was my stand-in, it was all plaster of Paris that they painted up. It looked really cool. Really, really cool. Wow. Yeah, so as you've said, you you really wanted sort of uh, the, these animalistic motivations and movements for the character, which is completely logical. Right. Um, yeah, uh, so could you tell us uh, a bit more about that and if there was anything you suggested to the filmmakers to bring forth to his character? 
you know, the first thing I said, and my hair was, you know, is pretty, was super long at the time. And um, I really wanted this character to be long hair because I thought it'd be really wicked looking if I was fighting, my hair's flying around, make him look more like an animal, like a lion. Uh, unfortunately, oh, yeah? at that time with CGI, um, they hadn't got to the place where they could computerize hair yet. So that's why I kept it back in a plat. So that was about the only thing that I did. I mean, they were so happy with what I brought to the table. Um, they've seen hundreds of guys. I mean, you know, huge guys, a lot of bodybuilders, but uh, somehow or other, I encapsulated just what they were looking for. So super, super cool. And um, the experience in London just was amazing. You know, just seeing the set in London blew my mind. I saw the ice bridge <laughs> set and all that there was just, man, it's just incredible, incredible, incredible. Yeah, it really looked amazing. And then I don't sure. know if you guys, you know, I don't know if the guys talk about what it's like to get a head cast, but I've done that probably six times in my career. And every single time it feels like you're being smothered because, and even though you know you're not, the, the instinct that we have where our face is totally covered, our eyes are covered, our nose have like two little strongholds coming out is to rip that thing off because it tightens and gels to your <sighs> face. And all of a sudden you feel like I, I'm, I'm going to die here right now i can't breathe but um oh. it, it every time it never gets easier for some reason but uh still it was a, a great process for me very good now we've also heard that there was an interesting camaraderie between people on this project it often seemed the villain actors were hanging out together and the actors portraying the forces of light were always hanging out together uh, did you become close with uh, any of the actors on this project during shooting and do you keep in touch with any of them to this day Oh, yeah. Um, Red and I still stay, you know, fair, reasonably close. Um, super guy. Love okay. him dearly. He played Jax, as you know. Um, and yeah. Marjean and I are dear friends. I mean, I love her from my soul, man. She's like the sweetest gal and she's an intense worker. She's brilliant and an amazing athlete. I mean, I really, really look up to Marjean and uh, he's, a, he's literally a role model for me as a person. So I, I love her dearly. Great gal. Yeah, she's fantastic, man. Yeah, very, very sweet. We had her on the show, and uh, yeah, she was a legendary person, man. I'll never forget that, you know? Yes. Yeah, that's a good word for her, describing her. Yeah, legendary. <laughs> um, and Jax so and I, okay, so Jax and I, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, no, no, Jax and there. I had a lot of fun together, because... Um, he and I had a slightly different view on our face. Our, our, I have a Christian faith, and he was had a little bit of different face where, you know, he believed kind of what he believed. So we had so much fun sparring back and forth, you know, about what we thought. And But your argument was always in love, and it was always fun. Um, and and so they would never went in, into a bad direction. And he and I just got closer from it, you know, just, just brought us closer. Wow. So he's a, he's a neat guy, and, and I, I really love Red. Actually... I don't know if you know this, but we we just finished an ESPN documentary together about the American Gladiators. So that's coming out in the next month or so, which is really exciting. Oh man, yeah, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be something special. Yeah, going to be fun. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think it will. I think it will. So ultimately, in order to do a lot of the movement for Mataro, I believe you needed an yeah an additional person from the crew. To walk in unison with yeah. you to represent the the rear portion of the character. Yeah. Did this prove to be a big challenge amongst yeah. filming? Yeah. Uh, what was funny about it is they hired this martial arts. I think he was a Capoeira guy. Um, 
which is a different style of martial arts where they like spin and jump almost kind of like monkeys in a weird way, but it's a beautiful, beautiful art. Um, I don't know if I said it cor correctly. I think it's called capoeira or capoeira or something like that. But anyways, Kimball um, got behind me and he, he just did not like being in there, which who can blame him? He's, his head is tucked under my butt cheeks the whole time. And uh, he got that, the suit covering him. So he was hot. And he was dealing with protein farts the whole time. So what can I say? <laughs> so, you know, it's just one of those things when you were, you know, you're an athlete. Athlete and uh, you eat a lot of protein. I'm going, Kimball, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, finally, after about after about three weeks, Kindle's going. I've had enough. I've done. So he he checked oh. out and left, which I don't blame him. And uh, yeah. they hired this kid. Um, if he's Indonesian or what, but he he was his name was Hollywood of all things. It was hilarious. And so Hollywood just came in and he was a champion. He was a uh, just the neatest, neatest kid. He was happy every day. He was thankful to have a job and uh, just was brilliant. And he put up with all my, my shenanigans. <laughs> so it <laughs> was, yeah, it, it was, it was interesting. It was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take for, uh, for you and uh, Red to film the, that end fight scene all together? Yeah, that was a, that's a good question. Um, I'm guessing, but I think it took us a couple of nights um, just because we needed to coordinate it and then they needed to shoot it, light it, and then shoot the different sequences. You know, they shoot a master, the whole thing. So, and and then different pieces of the, when we were on top of the Buddhist temple, which is really cool. And uh, so I think all in all, it took about three or four nights to finish that whole thing. Wow. Can you tell me a little more about yeah, this? Well, so I'll tell you a story. Can I tell you a quick story? Yeah, go for Can it. I tell you a quick story about that? So we're filming, and as soon as the lights come on, bats came pouring out of the top of this thing. And what happened was, you know, the lights hit, and then there's all these moths that are attracted to the, to the lights, and these bats are just picking them off in midair. Well, one of the first assistant directors was walking up to the top, and a moth got stuck inside of his ear, and he freaked hey. out so bad, he had a panic attack, we had to get him to the hospital, they had to literally go in there and surgically pull that thing out because it just burned inside. And it was a freaky, freaky experience, man. I mean, boy, he's fine. But I mean, just imagine what that feels like. And so bats are flying all over places. Things get stuck in your ear. You're disoriented. And it was, it was just craziness. So things like that, that, you know, when you're on a film set, you never imagine can happen. No. But they do, you know. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you tell me a little more about the deleted scene uh, of Mataro's extended fight with Jax? Yeah, you know what? That kind of bummed me out. And I think, from what I understand, the reason was is it just they ran out of money to do it because my character, Motaro, um, if I'm not mistaken, was close to about a million dollars a minute that I was on screen for all they had to do for the computer stuff and up there paying for all that. So it cost them a lot of money. And the cool, I mean, the sad thing was that fight was supposed to be twice as long. It was like, you know, a Godzilla versus King Kong kind of fight, right? And um, we were supposed to, not, I was supposed to knock down these big colonnades with my tail and go after them. And, and, and man, I, I was so excited because this thing was going to be a wicked cool fight. And uh, they cut it down to literally about half of what it, what it was supposed to be. So that was the only part that kind of bummed me out because I, I felt sorry for the fans more than anything else. 
You know what I mean? I felt like they deserved to see that epic crescendo to the movie of those two guys going at it. Yes, yes, that would have been very memorable. Wow. Because that was cut, and when, oh, when yeah. we had Marjean, she told us that the Shiva was supposed to have a massive fight scene. So it's really, really too bad. Yes. Um. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So you said there was yeah. like exploding pillars that was supposed to be in that fight. Uh, do you remember anything else by chance, or? No, I, you know, honestly, that was a thing that stuck in my mind the most. It was, and, and the duration of it. I mean, we just had some really cool stuff that we were going to do, the kicks and what Mar Mataro could do. And uh, so, and Jax and I, Red and I talked about it a lot. So, you know, I was telling him all my, the things I can do physically. And he was talking about what he could do. So let's just work it in, you know, let's use your strengths and use my strengths and work it into this really cool fight. So we had yeah. it all mapped out and all set. And so, I, like I said, it would have, shown his talents and mine at the same time but unfortunately they you know they hacked it out which i, I think hurt the movie i really do unfortunately oh no, no yeah for sure um was there any additional character development for mataro uh, any other additional scenes that could have explored him a bit more with dialogue do you know yeah you know well the voice, you know, I, I kind of try to magnify my voice as much as I could and, and move around. Of course, you know, they synthesized my voice. We went to Canada and they had me read all my lines again and they synthesized it electronically to make it sound like it did. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, honestly, I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I mean, it was something, some of the finest work I've done. I thank the Lord for that. I thank God for that. But um, there was never one time they cut me and said, Darren, try it this way or Darren, do it this way. It was like, Whatever I was doing, they were totally digging it. So we just stayed up. We just stayed with it. So just one of those things that, I, like I said, it just was a moment that I really caught the vision that the director and producers had of that character. Wow. Fantastic. Um, do you, by chance, have a favorite uh, line from the movie? And if it is, if you still have the Matara spirit in you, um, now I know it's not going to be synthesized here or anything, but kind of in that voice that oh you sort God. of were going for, can you say your favorite quote? Uh, let's see. Your hallowed position atop the worm pile appears to be most tenuous. Now your failure will be my victory. <laughs> oh, beautiful, Darren. Beautiful. Gotta get a kick oh, out God, of it, that's man. What, I gotta tell you a story about that, too. Can I tell you a story about that, too, really quick? Please, so right after please I said do. that line in the movie, she supposedly, yeah, she supposedly um, slapped me across the face, right? I mean, that's, that's a scene where she slapped me, supposedly. And when my daughters were watching this on, and this on the movie, my little one was about three years old, and she was freaking out. But, Daddy, she slapped you. Why did she slap you? Did that hurt, Daddy? I go, honey, we're just pretending, you know? It's like, she just missed daddy by, you know, like a foot. And so every time someone come over that seen the movie, she goes, she really didn't hit daddy. She just missed him by a, by a foot. So it was really sweet. It was really, really sweet. Oh, that is, that is. I also hear you, Lynn, uh, and Brian for sure, maybe even Marjean, were all pretty competitive at the bowling alley. Uh, so tell us who was the grand yeah, champion in the end? Who was the grand champion? <laughs> you know, I, I've got to be... I, I, okay, so I, I got to bust myself on this. I, I didn't show up for a very good reason, okay? I was, oh. at the time, 
Yeah, I, I never went to this 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 thing. I heard it was epic, okay? But the reason why I didn't, it was I was crazy in love with a girl back in the United States. So I was spending every second I had on the phone to her, spending thousands of dollars trying to court this girl who lived in LA and I'm in Thailand. So that's why I missed the whole polling extravaganza. No way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'd also like to ask, how was it working with uh, director John Leonetti and producer Larry Kasanoff? Yeah, I, you know, I remember John really, really well. Larry seemed like he was kind of quiet. Um, I didn't talk to him too okay. much. But John was a totally laid back, super cool guy. Um, I guess he was a director of photography before he was doing this. And uh, his brother was working with him yeah. as DP, right? If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but really nice so. guy. Yeah really laid back a gentleman and just a cool just a cool dude man i really liked him that's good that's good um there's yeah, yeah. one scene in the movie at the round table where mataro gets quite physical with shiva and literally lifts her yes. up in the air could you tell us more right. specifically right how that was shot and if it was a tough thing to nail down or not uh did margin's pair of prop arms ever get in the way during some takes you know Right, right. Um, it's a good question. Um, when we were filming that scene where I picked her up, um, all we made sure is I didn't grab her, touch her prosthetic arms. I grabbed her under her, her real armpits. But we had this little step yeah. stool, and she's such a professional. She's a consummate professional. So I said, when I grab you, just put your foot, back foot on that step, and I'm going to start lifting you. Just push yourself up. So it was like seamless. I grabbed her, and she went straight up in the air. They loved it, and we shot it from different angles, and it was done. But you know, it was a piece of cake with her because she's so great to work with. <laughs> good, good. Do you yeah. have any funny stories while filming the movie? Uh, any good bloopers you can remember or uh, maybe some fun pranks? I doubt that, but you never know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm a bit of a prankster. I'm, I'm going to embarrass uh, the heck out of myself with this, okay? So uh, that's okay. I can laugh at myself. So the girl that I was in love with sent me a care package to Thailand. Okay. So you can imagine okay. how much that cost. So in that yeah. package was, you know, oatmeal, a coffee pot, and a pair for panties that she sent back. These really green lacy panties that she sent back. <laughs> so I thought it'd be funny when we were filming at the Buddhist temple where it's sacred. You don't, you don't desecrate that temple or anything that I snuck out from the makeup tent one night wearing those green panties. I got a picture with my arm around one of the security guards and he's sitting there like a deer in the headlight. <laughs> it's like, before I knew it hit him, I was out of there. <laughs> and the best oh, yeah, part, that, man, you got the, the, you got the image. Oh, that's like, amazing. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, that was fun. I, I'm, I'm lucky I didn't get shot or thrown in jail for <laughs> uh, uh, was there any <laughs> was there anybody you worked with that uh, you found just continuously funny uh, on the crew or cast uh, you know I, I think for the most part everybody was just working hard together um, yeah remember any particular times that you know anything besides Jackson and I were laughing all the time together um, but, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't really recognize anybody cause everybody seemed like they're really passionate about what they were doing and really enjoying themselves. 
although I know a couple of stunt guys from LA and I, I know they were cutting up and pranking each other and doing all that stuff, but I didn't get a chance to work with those guys because I, I would fit right in with all those pranksters and stuff like that. So most of it to me was pretty serious acting business. Now, when it comes to Mataro's tale, um, a lot of the scenes, you can tell it was CGI, but I am pretty sure that, you know, of course there was also like a, you know, a, like a fake tale made. Uh, do you remember filming any particular scenes with that? And did you have any uh, mishaps or any uh, mistakes with, uh, with that? Yeah, that tale, that practical tale that they made for yeah. my, my character was amazing. And it was, uh, it was actually made to, you know, absolute perfect stats. I mean, the thing was like 15 feet long, had a wicked tail on it. It was all animatronic or guy was pulling levers and pushing buttons and that thing would move. And the one time they used it was actually inside that, uh, that round room when I picked up Shiva and I was talking, you'd see the tail whipping back and forth. That was the animatronic tail they were using. And then he just sped it up a little bit, but uh, it was amazing. I mean, it really, really was amazing and looked pretty doggone great i mean just like you could look at it and think that was a real deal right there so very cool <laughs> man that sounds like a yeah like a piece of art for sure like that's something really special um yeah did you was. keep anything from did you keep anything from set just my wife's panties <laughs> oh, good answer good answer <laughs> i uh you know i actually I actually brought the teeth back. Um, they made these really, really wicked, cool prosthetic teeth. And I used to run around and chase my daughters around the house with them. And finally, my youngest um, thought when he, she didn't think it was funny anymore, they disappeared. And I oh. said, honey, what happened to my teeth? <laughs> she, Daddy, you went down a toilet by accident. <laughs> go, oh, by accident, you flushed them down the toilet. Uh, it was like by a $3,000 set of fake teeth. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> uh, so it kind of it's certainly right for terrorizing my little three-year-old daughter. So I, you know, I deserved it. So. <laughs> uh, when Margie was on, she said she went on multiple adventures in in Thailand whenever she wasn't required to film. Do you have any great recollections of your time in right. Thailand? Particularly, did you go on any uh, adventures on your spare time there? Tell us about that and some of the great memories. Yeah, um, Brian and I took a, a train into Pat Pong, which is in Bangkok, and it's just like this open-air market kind of thing where you can buy Rolex watches for 15 bucks, you know, that kind of place. You know, it's like, you know, you get all these fake things, you know, designer purses that would be $5,000 in America, and it's 25 bucks there, you know. So a bunch <laughs> of knockoff stuff, but it was interesting. I, I, I bought some really cool rings, one that I still have with me, and uh, I actually wore that ring on the set. Brian bought one too. And I believe he wore it uh, in the movie, but I'm almost positive he wore it in the movie. So and, and anyway- Yes, he did. Um, yeah, he did. I remember he and I going shopping. And, what that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got a ring just like that. Yeah. Very cool. Um, all I can remember is when we were going into the bars, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a beer drinker per se, but I went into the bars with the guys and um, I got like literally swarmed by all these girls that were like jumping on my back, like little spider monkeys going, you know, want a drink, want a date, want a drink. And it, like, it was like five or six girls hopping on my back, pulling on me. And I was like, oh, fine, fine. fine. So anyways, we, uh, we booked out of there after that. And then a couple of the guys went and they went 
I guess there was a downstairs place where they had the uh, some interesting shows where girls did interesting <laughs> things with interesting <laughs> body parts that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> All I know is someone said someone was shooting ping pong balls out from an orifice that I don't want to discuss. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's a talent. <laughs> so, oh, crazy. you're killing me, Dan. You're killing me. <laughs> you asked for an interesting story. So hey, I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> right? Yo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, so good. So when, when the final product was released, and assuming you watched it uh, during the premiere, were you personally satisfied uh, with the special right. effects and how your character turned out on screen, ultimately? Loved my character on screen. Uh, yes, I love my character on screen. I thought they did a great job of it with the voice. Um, like I told you a little bit earlier, I just felt kind of bad that there wasn't enough of that last fight in there because it really would have made that you know movie ending like perfect, you know? Yeah. But other than that, I thought the special effects were on point. I... I didn't really care, and I don't know why they did it, but they did that last animation where the dragon fought that three-headed thing. I don't know where they did their anim their animality. Yeah. I thought that was pretty hokey, to be honest with you. And I thought, you know, for a 70-something million dollar movie, why? You know, why go there with that? You know what I'm saying? It just, it wasn't necessary, and I, I think the movie would have been better without that whole scene. Personally. You know what, it's... It's so funny you say that, Darren, because I am in complete alignment with you. Honestly, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I personally think uh, Annihilation is a fun movie to watch. It's just that's the only scene where I just just majorly, majorly cringe. Like, it just, it really, really yeah. looks bad. Yeah. And Larry Kastanoff himself said his right. biggest regret, actually, was not um, going through another sort of layer of special effects. He wanted to initially, but the studio said, yeah. no, 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 no. Test audiences are already good. Just release this thing. So I, you know, that's really wow. unfortunate. Right, but. right, right. Dope. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I definitely. We we all know it hurt the movie, but uh, <laughs> it's just one of those things that was pretty much out of everybody's hands. So we just do what we yep. got to do. That's right, brother. Uh, Darren, I have so much respect for you, man. Uh, you are an incredibly strong person, uh, and Thanks. you have so much faith in God. Uh, you went through a lot of trauma yeah. in your life and uh took a few years off from the movie yeah. industry uh in the end you really rose up and learned a lot yeah. of things is this something you'd care to expand on with audiences today thank you um yeah you know i mean you, you're absolutely right about that and um you know i think adversity can do one or two things to people and it can either make you stronger and get go forward or, or it can just tear you apart to where you go crawl in a shell and and never come out of it. And I've seen yeah. people do both. And I will tell you personally, it was my faith in Jesus Christ that got me through my faith in God that got me through some of the tough times. For instance, this gal I was telling you about that I was courting, that I fell in love with, and I'd have married, who I had that beautiful daughter with, um, yeah. who flushed my teeth down the toilet. Um, she passed away about seven years after we were married, unfortunately. Oh um, man! She had a she had a um, yeah she had a blood clot that got caught in her lung and she had a heart attack. She's thirty five years old, man. So um, that was a big blow. Um, and about four years later, I went to visit my mom, and she just retired from the movie business. She was a hairdresser, just the sweetest lady, like an angel. I mean, a true angel. 
And I, uh, I, I opened the door into her house because she wasn't after her phone. And there she was on the floor. She died from a heart attack. So um, I found my mom on the floor. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, it, that's that's a gut check right there, man. When you, you know you you walk in a place like that and you see what you see and the atmosphere changes and everything smells yeah. different. Um, so that was that was a tough part. But um, I know for me as a face as a, in God as a Christian and she was a Christian, I know where she's at now. You know, I know that she's in heaven and I know I'll see her again. But, you know, you love those dear people in your life. I mean, she was just amazing. So um, I miss her every day. I still dream about her um, and my wife. Um, but to answer your question, at that point, the reason why I took time off is all of a sudden I became Mr. Mom. You know, I had a wife supporting me and I could go out and do my movies. I could do my ministry stuff. But all of a sudden, here I am with a one and a half year old girl and a five-year-old daughter both two daughters and then all of a sudden like what am i going to do am i going to let nanny you know a nanny raise these girls or am i going to throttle back and forget being a big, big shot actor and be a father right and right so i decided i was going to be a father and uh it it taught financially it hit hard okay because we went through some tough financial times brother i'll be honest with you but you know, every every single way God seemed to supply, and uh, I am so thankful that I did the hard work and bid a dad to these girls because they have grown up to be amazing young women today. So it was worth all the sacrifice um, in every single way, and uh, I think, again, through that, it gives me great compassion for other people that are going through hardships and going through suffering yeah. so I can, you know, come alongside a lot of people because I, I have a counseling service now. I do life coaching. And uh, I, I've talked to so many people, whether they be drug addicts or suicidal or, you know, bulimics and or anything. So people, you know, this, this world, you know how crazy this world is. So, oh, oh um, for sure. I'm just out there to help people and be a servant to, to God. That's basically what I'm doing now. And I'm very fulfilled with that. Respect, man. Respect. Wow. That's, that's really something special. Thank uh, you, bro. So, yeah, man. Thank so, you. so well, what are your, what are your daughters doing nowadays? That's here. So my oldest uh, literally just had a baby last week. So oh. I'm a granddaddy of a granddaughter named Paige, who's adorable. Um, it's just totally cute. And my youngest daughter, just uh, she just got married uh, three years ago, and she's going through school, the final process to be uh, it's an, a nurse, but it's also an exercise physiology type nurse. So it's the highest credential you can get. And... Uh, She's Whoa. just delightful. She's the sweetest girl, and her husband's a great guy. So, uh, like I said, I'm thankful good. I put in the good work. My daughters are wonderful. Could you tell us a little about your background in law enforcement um, and why you had decided in the end to step down from that line of work? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so I actually joined the sheriff's department kind of on a whim. You know, I, I always thought cops were really cool. And I've always been the kind of person that's altruistic. I want to help people and such. And so I had this kind of naive view that when I became a cop, I was going to help the world kind of thing. And uh, found out it was a quite different it was when I actually got into it. But uh -huh. uh, after about uh, just four years, I got in a, a battle with an inmate in there. And through the fight, I, uh, oh. I, had, I fell while I had him in a headlock. And I ended up herniated six discs in my back. And uh, it ended up being so oh. bad that it was, it was one of those things where 
I was still going to the gym, but I had, I like even to this day, I cannot sit in a chair for more than 20 minutes. My legs will go numb, or if I stand in one spot for too long, my legs will go numb and my back starts killing me. So it, it's weird. I can move, I can do all those things that I do, but standing or sitting is absolutely the worst thing. And uh, I talked to several orthopedic surgeons and they just explained to me, they said, Darren, that's completely normal for that type of injury you have. So. I'm thankful that uh, I can still be mobile and do all that stuff. But I decided at that point, I just didn't want to be a cop anymore. So I threw my badge on Lieutenant's yeah. desk and said, adios. Yeah, yeah. Damn, man, that's that's something. Sorry to hear about that. But uh, nevertheless, uh, did yeah, you have thank, any thank really great experiences? With the sheriff? So, yeah, um, I was talking about the, the sheriff's department. I have great respect for everybody that works at the department. Um, but it was it was time for me to, to move on and uh, set my sights on something that I enjoyed and uh, that I would I thought I was going to stay healthy at, but I got so much really injured doing stunts over the years. But uh, it's been it, it's been wonderful. And uh, like I said, I I have great respect for the, the department and uh, all those men and women in law enforcement. You had the opportunity to be in Curb Your Enthusiasm with showrunner and lead actor Larry David, yeah, uh, who of course created the famous sitcom Seinfeld yes. uh, prior to that show. What was it yes. like working with him? And could the listeners uh, hear a little bit about that scene? As I know, it's one of your personal favorites. It is. I mean, and, and not only that, it was the I think one of the personal favorites of all the episodes. I mean, it, it won some kind of award because. Um, up until I, and I didn't know this at the time, but up until I did the episode, Larry David never broke character. No one ever made him last. No one ever made him break character. Um, and when he, he hired me to be supposedly this big wrestler guy, and um, I got really mad at Larry David, who was behind me, supposedly shooting yeah, my kids, and I'm getting all flipped out, talking about mass shootings and losing my mind. And so I was supposed to get out of the car and start cussing him out. Now you and just all these four letter words. Well, I just, I'm thinking, all right, I'm a father and I've got three kids in the back of my car, which I did. There were three young kids in there. You want to say bad words, but you, you got to sometimes supplement with something not so bad. So in other words, what I said to him one time, I said, I'm going to body slam you so hard. You're going to poop your bald pants. And he fell out just laughing, fairly laughing. I mean, just stuff like that. Right. And uh, he he broke character at three times. I three times I got him to crack up, and finally one of the uh, assistant directors come over and said, "Darren, what? You don't understand what you just did. What? Nobody makes him laugh on set." <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, you know, everybody's like high fire me and this and that. So uh, oh. I, I knew I had a winner, and um, I thought to myself, yeah, not, not using cuss words and going a little bit different just made the character that much more funny. Definitely. So it was. It turned out to be. Like, I think the best piece of work I've done, you know, if ever, you know, I think so. Real happy with that. And they were thrilled with it, too. So that turned out that's great. amazing. Uh, now, yeah, you're attached yeah. to a film project called Instruments of Justice. Uh, Marjean has even confirmed that uh, right. she's been working closely with you on this title. Is there anything fans can know about oh, yeah. this upcoming yeah, film? Yeah. Uh, what we hear, it's going to be in the vein of, of like a classic 80s action film. Okay, so yeah, we had a couple, we had a couple um, people help us with the writing, but um, 
the concept was I wanted kind of a lethal weapon type of a comedy. And uh, the storyline is absolutely hilarious. The characters are great. Um, there's just, it's just one of those things. It's a gem. It's a little tough to get financed only because people, they don't get that it's a genre film from the, you know, from the eighties kind of thing. They want everything to be like, you know, up to date and stuff. So, uh, but you know, I've got some people interested and, uh, Marjean is fantastic. She's going to be director on it, uh, which will be phenomenal because she's got a brilliant mind. We cut a trailer oh. and, um, currently after we, um, we're going to edit the trailer and we're going to start shopping it hopefully in the next couple months oh, man. so i'm excited to see what happens yes i think it's safe to say we all are man that i think that sounds wicked i'm a huge uh 80s action fan so it's going to be a lot of fun all right darren so what we're going to do now is jump to the last segment of the show called final round so what we're going to do in this final round is ask you about five quick questions and let's see what you have to say. So the first being, okay. uh, what are some of your secret talents? Secret talents? I make a mean protein shake. Mwah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I think probably one of my, uh, one of my best talents is I, I'm, I'm pretty patient and uh, I've been a good father. I think that's, that's a talent of mine. I think is a God-given talent. Is I'm I'm a good father, and um, I think because I care about people. I I also I didn't tell you about this earlier, but I I am a drug and alcohol counselor. So I work with people that are addicts and alcoholics, um, which you know there are a lot of hurting people out there. So I I want to help as much as possible. And also um, for about a five-year period there, after I'd been injured, I actually got addicted to pain meds. Um, that were being pushed oh. on me and pushed on me and I literally tried to avoid but I got just hopelessly addicted to these things and um, by the grace of God I've been sober for five years now but I'm trying to, again for the energy uh, that I have and what I've learned to help other people along the way so now I just believe God will take things in our lives no matter how tough they are and turn tragedies into triumphs if you really turn to him and ask him so it's been a it's been a blessing tough journey but a blessing Wow, that's 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 amazing. I uh, couldn't have said it better myself, brother. Uh, you know, being a man yeah. of faith myself, I think that's yeah, well said. Um, oh, awesome. What is your favorite awesome. place to travel? Wow, uh, probably our Hawaii or Puerto Vallarta. I really enjoy that. I've been there, uh, Puerto Vallarta, five times. Went to Hawaii six times, um, and I I just just enjoy both. I think Puerto Vallarta only because it's closer. Um, but both places are, you know, you can't, you can't beat for the ocean. You can't beat Hawaii and, um, the different islands and stuff. So those are my two favorite places by far. I could, I could go stay there any, any time and be really happy. <laughs> what is your favorite movie to watch? Wow, man, there's so many. Um, <laughs> well, I'm an action guy. I think Lethal Weapon is up there and of course iconic rocky i mean that movie yeah. is what really inspired me when i was a very young man to start believing in myself and believe that i could i could overcome adversities because i was a a skinny skinny little stick kid in high school and i was a guy literally that got bullied in high school um uh, for being skinny i had buck teeth and glasses and the whole thing and um, i remember seeing stallone in rocky and i was so inspired 
that that's when I started hitting the speed bag and boxing and all that stuff and turned to weight training. And so, um, yeah, those are definitely two of my favorite moments for sure. Excellent. What was your very first job ever? Okay. Married with children. That's easy. Um, I was actually, uh, just really quickly, I was a personal trainer, been a personal trainer for a long time also. And I happened to be training unbeknownst to me, um, a gal who was married to the executive producer of Married with the Children. And she happened to ask me if I was ever interested in acting. I said, well, by the way, yeah, I, I just started. I'd like, I'd like to do that. She goes, oh, I just have this show called Married with Children that my husband is producing. I go, I love that show. So um, I gave her my resume, and next thing you know, I auditioned, and I booked that job. And, man, that's that's been, like, probably the greatest, most fun time I've ever had. They treated me really well. I was so nervous. I mean, I was, I was like, shaking in some of the scenes because <laughs> I'd never been acting before as far as... I'm, and I'm dealing with these consummate professionals on both sides of me, and uh, they were both super cool. Um, so I had a blast. And lastly, if you had to think about it, what is your most prized possession? Probably my relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that my most prized possession is my oh. faith in God. And uh, second would be my children, was hands down. Um, third, it would be being in ministry where I can help people, hopefully, uh, you know, show them that there's a better way to live than drugs, alcohol, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, because there is. A lot of people in this world, you know, like I do, especially the entertainment industry, blitzes on the screen that if you are thin enough or you're pretty enough or you're buffed enough um, or just drink this drink or you go to this party, you're going to be happy. And the reality is that when these people get to this place, they realize, well, why am I still miserable? And um, mm. really, to me, the answer to that, they had a French philosopher in the, I think it's 1500s, named Blaise Pascal. He was also a mathematician, brilliant guy. And he said, there's a God-shaped void inside of every human heart that only God can fill. And people try and fill it with, like I said, whether everything but that, drugs, sex, rock and roll, relationship, now changing your gender and all these things that they're telling, I don't like who I am. And so they're looking for identity and they're looking for purpose and they're looking for a place to fit in. And the thing about walking in faith with God is that he gives you all those things. He fills that void. And, um, you know, it, it, unfortunately, Christianity's got a really, really bad name, as you know. But I think it's because people don't really know who Jesus Christ really is and the love he shares and what it means to turn your life over to him. So anyways, I don't mean to be too preachy, but this is what I really believe in. This is what I live yeah. in. And I've seen so many lives change uh, on account of that. So those are my two faves right there. All right, man. Well, it's been such a blast having you on the show today. Uh, but before we exit, is there anything that you'd like to promote at this time, my friend? Well, like I thank you for thank you very much for asking. Um, I mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, I was on this show, this very iconic TV show in the '90s called The American Gladiators, um, and uh, ESPN called me a couple years ago and said they want to do a documentary, a retrospective documentary on that show, and would I like to be in it? And I said, of course. I'd love to be in it. So they followed me around for about a year and they filmed everything they did. They filmed me at church. They filmed me at the house helping guys with addiction and talk about my story. I, I break down my whole story about everything I've told me about my mom, my addiction, all that stuff. And uh, it's going to be premiering actually in Canada, May 2nd. 
and it should be premiering in Los Angeles around the end of May. So uh, ESPN, um, I don't know if you guys get ESPN out there. Um, it's a huge sports network channel. So um, yes. I'll make sure yeah. that I get you a copy of it and I'll send it out to you, man. Oh, man, I would appreciate that so much. Yeah, I'm stoked. That's going to be sure. so, so, sure. so, so, so good. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, man. And uh, do you have any uh, social media handles that uh, people can add you? Yeah, thank you. Um, really, if anybody's struggling with whether it's depression, suicidal thoughts, addiction, whatever, um, or you just need someone to talk to, man, you you know, I want to be available to anybody on Facebook. I'm wide open. Um, I leave my phone number on there and my personal cell phone number. Um, if you guys ever want to reach out, you ever want to talk, you ever got questions about God or the Bible or just want to rap, um, contact me um, on Facebook. I'll friend you and uh, you can you can lock on and we'll wrap from there. You just get on my messenger um, and I'll leave my phone number. It's uh, area code 818-612-4304. That's 818-612-4304. Thanks, man. Thanks for giving me that little tag. You bet, you bet. Okay, man. Well, this has been great. So you just have yourself an awesome day. You too, my bro. Thank you so much. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Darren is quite the soldier and has a very strong heart. What an honor it was speaking to him. Be sure to monitor his career closely as he's really making a difference out there. We hope all the massive Mataro fans got a kick out of this. It's been fun. Thanks for supporting. Should be interesting to see who's up next on the podcast. What an adventure it's been. To all our loyal followers, we love you. Hope you continue to do well and have a smile on your face. Life can be tricky sometimes, but don't ever forget. If you feel you're trapped in a dark hole and just can't crawl out of it, be mindful that there's always a way out. You can speak to Darren himself on the number he provided, and he will be sure to have your back. As we at Kamidogu like to say in good spirits, have fun, stay safe, and stay flawless.